Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Weaving in. David Tennant and, and does that. And his, it's quite cool. It's yeah. quite, and then it's like, well, well uh, oh, you've started. Oh, cool. So um, and it's, I quite like that. It's cool. We could we could just try that. We could just do that. This could be it. This, this could, could this could be it. This, this could, could be, be it. it. So I'm here with Ryan K. Davidson. Just Ryan Davidson. I I yeah. actually double checked that on your website. Do, do, and I thought you know I didn't that, want to say the K. No, do, do you know what it is? It or was um, the so the K is people always I went to school. We go, what's the K came from? My mum for a birthday, was it her 50th? I think it was, uh-huh. where she's really hard to buy for. So we're like, well, we'll get mum, we'll get mum. So we decided that because my mum and dad were never married and they separated when we were young, that we would take my mum's second name and add it as our middle names. So we changed our names by deed poll. So my middle name is Kenny, which is my mum's maiden name. Oh, so that we've nice. all, but just in case they're listening, only me and my sister done it. My other two brothers just never bothered <laughs> doing it. And my sister, she um, she done it the year before at Christmas because she couldn't think of a Christmas present. So it was supposed to be a surprise for her fiftieth. <laughs> and my just sister went. Yep, yeah, she went and done it at Christmas. It was just like ah, I just couldn't think of anything to get her. <laughs> she done it at Christmas, and then I done it for her fiftieth. And then my two brothers were like, yeah, yeah, we'll get it done. Still just, no, I still haven't done it. So, but Ryan, just Ryan Davidson. Ryan Davidson is. Um, and Ryan, my first question to you probably is, why magic? It's a good question to start off. <laughs> tricky one. I was never interested in magic as a kid. Okay. I played football. I was into music. I played guitar and kind of played in a band at school and stuff. And like my dad used to buy wee kind of magic tricks at a time, shepherds, and he would show us as kids. And I was never really interested. I would just go. <laughs> I was never impressed and I hated like, children's magicians whenever you've seen them at parties yeah. and stuff I was never ever interested mm-hmm. in it when I was 18 um, my family and my friend Jamie his family we went on holiday together to Greece and the hotel complex was up this kind of mountain and it was kind of overlooking it was a beautiful beautiful kind of location hotel wasn't very nice but the location was really mm-hmm. nice and it was a standing joke that the entertainment in the hotel complex was rubbish so me and my mate we were doing it the, we were 18 at the time and we were walking back up from the from the, the beach one night and we heard all this clapping you know people oh. just clapping at the hotel and we went something good must be happening and we kind of ran back up and there was this guy who was just doing card tricks and in, in the, the kind of at the poolside on a table mm-hmm. but he was a guest there he wasn't the entertainment provider he was just ah, a, a guest that's why it was a yeah it was yeah decent. that's why it was good <laughs> and we watched him for maybe a half an hour and just this week in a crowd gathered around him and he's sitting there with no top on just his shorts just doing mm. these kind of tricks so I met him later on at the bar, everybody kind of went to bed and it was all inclusive and the all inclusive went on at one o'clock in the morning so I was, I was milking that <laughs> and everybody went to bed and I was just chatting to him and it turned out he was a, he was a con man, he was a hustler and he left school at 15 and he travelled the Mediterranean wow. and hustled and pickpocketed and done the three card Monty and the, the three shell game whenever there was kind of you know, holiday destinations uh-huh. kind of thing and he was just telling me some really fascinating stories so the guy was maybe in his early to mid 50s but had a really young family so he'd kind of moved back to Manchester and met somebody settled down and started a family okay. but spent most of his life just you know bumming around and, and, and uh, you know Greece and southern mm. Italy and stuff so I said to him look can you teach me something to go back to Castlemalt and, and show people so but obviously two is are drunk by this point and he showed me this <laughs> thing and I was trying to remember I could never remember it so I managed to figure it out and then I would show people it in pubs and uh-huh. you know whenever it was my party piece and people would go that's amazing. Do you know anything else? <laughs> no, that's it. So I, so I bought a book. I became kind of quite interested in kind of hustles and cons and you know card cheating and, mm. and that kind of thing. So that was when my interest really kind of pricked up. It was more Absolutely. in that kind of world than yeah, the, yeah. the kind of Shazam of magic kind of thing. So I could probably do some of the techniques and I knew a lot about the techniques, even if I couldn't do them properly, about cheating at cards mm-hmm. before I could ever do a card trick as, okay. as such. And then eventually that just kind of crossed over into learning sleight of hand to perform, you know, right. for entertainment kind of purposes. And then somebody, a guy called John Harkins, who stayed in my street, he had seen me kind of just in the pub doing stuff and he went, I want to book you for a party, how much do you charge? And I'm like, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't. <laughs> went, well, let us know if you'd be interested in doing it and we'll, we'll pay you to come to this guy's party. So I went online, had a look at what magicians were charging and I thought, 
mm-hmm. as a business there's money to be made there because I mean some of these guys were charging what I was making in a week at that time so I thought and they weren't you know far greater than I was yeah, at that yeah. period and I thought so I done it for like 25 quid and a couple of beers um, but then on, at that night people were saying you're amazing if you get a business card and I'm like a what? <laughs> a bu- what's a business card? <laughs> so I started writing my phone number on the back of playing cards and dishing it out and then I started to get work for there and I thought I should maybe think about this mm. and it just kind of organically grew for there um, to kind of perform at weddings and corporate events mm. and private parties and stuff um, right up to me then writing and producing my own kind of live show and I've done five shows since so I think just because I've I never really I kind of fell into it through another a kind of side interest yeah, a, a kind yeah. of different side of magic I kind of it kind of organically grew from there. Of course, so I, it, it, it wasn't like a set plan that you no, had in your head. No, and there's, and there's always that kind of thing where people say magic's the kind of revenge of the geek. It's the social okay. awkward person that <laughs> wants to learn magic because it's endears them to people that they wouldn't necessarily speak to. Whereas uh-huh. for me, it was the opposite. I was not popular at school, but I kind of got on with everybody. I played football and I done drama and music. Yeah, and you were all Hung about the streets social at night time, so I, I kind of. Could sit with any group. I could sit with uh-huh. the boys, the girls, the, the quiet people, the mental people. I could, I could <laughs> sit anywhere. Um, so no, it was just it became a fascination in the kind of the art of the psychology and the sleight of hand, and and then when you kind of learn to monetize that, I suppose it's yeah. you then think oh, this could be something that I, that I could do. So yeah, it's a bit of a long answer, but I think for me no, it was never about I wanted to learn magic and perform I for love people. That, though, it was a side. You angle. know, like it just shows you like just a chance encounter. Totally. Yeah. That is now led to this amazing thing that you. And even since, do. yeah, and even since then, look, like, I always go back to that moment in my life and go, like, if I never met that guy, would I ever have kind of had that interest? Would I ever uh-huh. have moved into that? And because since then, I've had so many amazing life experiences. Of just, just because of that. Yeah. You know, because of that kind of, because of that interest. So that's. Ah, in terms great. of like developing tricks, how do you even begin to? to do like is it just a, something you've seen but then you're trying to make it your own or I suppose it's a mixture of different things I mean mm. I mean, one of my biggest bugbears about magic in 2019 and maybe the last 10 years is that the internet's kind of unveiled a lot of the secrecy around ah, it you know? okay. and when people learn something young kids they want to then tell people that they know about it and expose the secrets which is which is frustrating but mm. I, I can understand why people why people do it but I, I think you know, YouTube's a good platform for people starting out to learn basics. But then I think, you know, written text, books, I've got a mass of books at home, kind of library of books from the 1800s right up to, you know, a book that came out two weeks ago. Um, and I think if you want to hide something and keep it secret, put it in print because not a lot of people, only lazy people kind of buy stuff that's ready-made tricks, whereas people that are really passionate about the craft, they'll buy books, they'll read, they'll research, they'll spend maybe a year, two years working on one, one act or one kind of one effect um, whereas you know people there's no quick fix if no, you want to no. make it like you have the longevity yeah yeah and, and just make it unique and, ma- and, and make it thing. unique yeah, yeah. And, and magic is a great I'm kind of paraphrasing but there's a great quote where you know magic is such a powerful art it can support a weak performer because you can buy a trick that you put a coin in this wee box and you shake it you can hear the coin and then you know you open it up mm. and the coin's vanished and anybody can do that because the the, the kind of technique is in the box. Okay. It's a technical thing. It's not. Yeah. It's, not it's, it's, it's no use. So, you know, anybody can just buy self-working tricks uh-huh. and, and and perform them. And I always say, you know, when you think about corporate magicians and people that go out and work commercially, anybody with a bit of personality, I think mm. I could take somebody and work with them for a day, give them six self-working tricks, and they could go and that could be their profession. Wow. Just because it. Let's do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> This podcast, my life. 50-50 split. Um, whereas I think the people that I always admire are people that they, they really see it as a craft where they work Absolutely. so hard at it and you know, some simple change to something can really elevate something mm. from being just a simple effect to being something that's really, really artistic and really mm. beautiful and really engaging. Well, that's where and the passion comes yeah, in. Yeah, it's yeah, not totally. just seeing it as a a money maker totally, yeah. to mean a means to an end type thing no. it's something that you're really into that even if you know it wasn't going to make you any money you'd probably yeah. still be doing it now yeah. because you enjoy it yeah and I think when you look at all the different kind of aspects that make a performer good if you focus on just one of those which would be the trick then that would you would just be like everybody else and it, and it would be kind of quite weak and people would maybe tired of that whereas uh-huh. you know if you look at dancing for example mm. if, I, if you just taught me a dance and I could do that one dance, 
doesn't make me a dancer, you know. Whereas, and that's probably the hardest thing to teach. Like certainly in dance, like when I'm teaching young mm-hmm. people, like the performance element yeah. of it, staying in, almost like in a character, mm-hmm. you know, and keeping switched on to that and not just doing the steps. Yep. And it's probably the hardest thing, you yeah. know. Like I'll give them all sorts of scenarios when we're teaching to try and make them think about, you know, you're selling a story about. Yep whatever the story is to the music or whatever um, and it is probably just one of the hardest things that you need to develop yourself and yeah. it comes with I guess just doing it and the maturity yeah. of doing it over yeah. time and, time again and understanding that those principles exist to come together to create whatever it is you're trying Absolutely. to create and I think in magic or with any kind of performance art the more you learn about the foundations and the more you understand the things that, that bring it to life yes the better is, you know, if I just learn one dance mm. and I only know that dance, how do I then go and create my own uh-huh. dances? How do I understand, you know, the, the different movements and things you would do with your arms and, yeah. you know, and, and what, how you say like, a story? Whereas in magic, if you just look at the trick in isolation, that's all it is, it's just yeah. a trick. Mm-hmm. But then when you start to add storytelling, you start to think about body language, you start to think about, you know, the, the timing of things and misdirection, you start to think about... The, the, the props that you use to tell uh-huh. the story you start to think about when the sleight of hand happens you think about the psychology you attach to it all of a sudden it grows into this massive kind of variety it's a craft. yeah it's a kind of variety of elements yeah. that, that impact on this one thing you're trying to say or one thing you're trying to do and people don't really understand that I don't, no. I don't think and sometimes it can just be one bit of language that you change or one little you know, one little subtlety that you yes. add to something or one little anchor that you put in to make people misremember the order something happened in. Uh-huh. These are all really, really important in, in, in selling the illusion that you're trying to present. I was listening and, to a podcast with Dan Brown and he, yesterday he actually said that exact thing did he? about like just picking maybe, maybe I stole one it word. <laughs> he stole a few around. And he, you know, he was talking about just like changing one word. Yeah. Like you're saying like the yeah. psychology of it. That's yeah. just... And even just, under, even just understanding things like engaging with people I always kind of try and focus on you know the shows that I do are really intimate you know it's kind mm-hmm. of audiences of 15 20 max mm. it's trying to kind of create that unique thing where you change the audience's experience so people always say spectator they'll think about an audience whereas the, the difference between an audience and a spectator and a participant is very very different yes. so my challenge is always how do I make sure that as many people in that room feel like participants in an experience rather than they're just watching it Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think the show that we done in in the Grand Central Hotel it was called which was basically just sold out yeah yeah. and and we still get emails asking (laughs) if if, if it's still running literally every day I was like no no, there's no time. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and it was amazing. it was amazing, and when we extended it, was it little, little, little mysteries, mysteries yeah, it was called, right. uh, and it was only fifteen people. It was a really kind of intimate awesome. experience, and it was good because it ran for it was without a break. It was like an hour and a half, and it was all close up card kind of material mm-hmm. and storytelling. There was lots of kind of storytelling, and um, after the first night, the, the opening night, the opening night ran for I think about an hour and forty five, an hour and fifty minutes, and I spoke to a few people that were there, and they were like, "Really? It's I was just so engrossed, and it was." It's not like wow. when you're at the theatre, you can kind of switch off and get into your handbag and check your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are just, just in it. Um, immersed in it. And I think understanding that kind of difference between engaging an audience as a participant in you know, the experience yes. that's happening or just a spectator where you're watching it and it's almost a wee bit second hand. Just, just trying to understand that as well. Even if you're working a corporate event or at a wedding, mm. you approach a table of eight strangers and you have, you've got three seconds to ingratiate yourself to the table and uh-huh. make them engage with you. How do you make sure that they're not just watching and observing? How do you actually make them feel part of an yeah. experience? How do you engage them and have them participate? And whether that's holding something, thinking of something, mm. examining something, whether it's having the whole group stand and changing their perspective on you know change, course, ch- changing I. changing the space around them so that they then become engaged and it's a change of dynamic at the table. It's all these little things that you must be absolutely shattered after a gig. It's like, exa- it seems it's like you really have to like it's all. It's all mental, it's, do you know what I mean? It's, it's all it's, like that it's, effort it's, that goes no, into it's, it. It's mentally exhausting. And, yeah. and every, whether it's a show where you're just performing for the one audience for an hour and a half or an hour, whatever mm. it may be, or whether it's a corporate event where you're going from table to table yeah. or a, a wedding or whatever, every everything's different. Every show is different. Every audience is different. Absolutely. It's different for you maybe as a dancer where you'll get a bit of feedback. Maybe the audience claps along yeah. or sings along, but you kind of know this, the floor space, you know mm. the moves, you're just going in there and you're kind of yeah. doing your dance, bit of chat in between maybe, doing your uh-huh. dance and then you know, you're know you yeah. off stage. 
Whereas you're having to think about if you bring somebody up on stage, where they stand, how do you greet them, how do you position them, how do you establish dominance so that they well, conform like on their own stage. You have to be able to make it, sure that person's going to and there's behave. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's lots of <laughs> techniques for, for doing that. And even just, you know, if you've got two people on stage, how do they interact and how do you can control the interaction between them? Yeah. And sometimes it's, if it's a show, like a 90 minute show, it's almost like everything's choreographed to within an inch of its life, but you're still having to ad lib in, in between. So sometimes. That keeps it exciting the, for you, I guess. Yeah, the, there was one show I'd done that was called An Honest Deception. We'd done it for five nights and mm-hmm. it was in the. The old hairdressers, and we actually built a theatre. We built raked seating awesome. and built a set with a set designer, and it was it was great. Really, really good project. I loved it. And the first night was was good. Really pleased with the opening night. Uh-huh. Second night was amazing. And on the third night, I got really, really complacent. Okay. And there was um, lots of magicians came to that show. Some really reputable and well-known music magicians came to that show. And I remember just kind of catching their eye. And I tried to be a bit blasé, and I changed the handling, changed the choreography of one wee bit, just just being flash and it went wrong oh no and it's that kind of domino effect of that then impacts on the next thing Ouch. and the next thing next yeah. thing. and I just kind of like maybe externally look, looked really calm but internally I was really oh, panicking yeah. going I need to think, <laughs> need to think in my feet and after the show the guys were like I was great really enjoyed it and they never noticed it but wow but inside I'm like I think they did and they were just being kind but it's that you know um, lapse in concentration or just one wee thing changing it is like that. It's almost like you, you know, a dance show and you, you, the choreography is going fine, and then all of a sudden there's like six chairs on stage and you're like, oh, oh right, something's changed here in that space. Uh, I kind of use that space now. Oh shit! So it's that kinda, does happen by the yeah, and, and it's trying to think on your feet and and just kind of try to <laughs> try to kind of bring things back in so there isn't that domino uh-huh. effect that kind of run, that runs on. So, um, so yeah, there's, there is lots of things that that kind of go into thinking. I mean, like to to devise a show and develop it without an audience there like that must be difficult too like it's, it's really hard the last show we done um was probably my least favorite show although it's strange because even though i wasn't happy with it and never really kind of got to where we wanted it to, to be lots of folk since then have said my, my favorite show wow. loved it. I've, they've seen like, maybe five six of my shows and they're like that is by huh. far my favorite whereas it's probably been my least favorite but we, we were kind of pushed for time and we got to the day of the opening night and it was the first time we had a run through in the venue and we were kind of paying the tech to be there to run yeah. through and um, halfway through the tech rehearsal these two old guys turn up okay almost in, it was like Jack and Victor almost <laughs> in character and they're like alright uh, we've booked this place for next week can we get a wee look at the and the, the tech's looking at me as if are you okay if I and I can't can say no so totally. like an hour out of the days just kind of <laughs> into these you know Jack yeah, and Victor getting a show uh, getting a tour of the theatre and stuff but in hindsight, I should have just went no because it, we, we got to, you know, doors opening and we, we still hadn't hadn't had oh. a full run through. Oh my goodness! Right, and I'm okay. on stage and, and last minute we had to change the ending. We pulled three major parts of the show wow. in, in that show, kind of the day or two before, um, and it was quite a big decision because it was the main bits of the show, and we just couldn't make it work in the space, and it was disappointing. But we we kind of got on with it. We changed bits, and fun enough, these two of the three bits are going to be in the next show. Um, so we had to kind of rewrite the show almost wow. with, within a day um, and to me it felt like it kind of it showed in, in the final performance but the the opening night was the first chance to get to try it and it was in a, that was in a bigger theatre so that was like a 185 seater or whatever okay. and that was the first chance to kind of do that mm-hmm. and a lot of the material was really new really fresh and things I'd maybe only done a couple of times at okay. corporate shows yeah. but even that I tweaked it and with the show in the hotel I mean that was over a hundred shows I think I'd done of that show either in the hotel kind of different we took a wee bit on tour we'd done a lot of private shows as well so mm. when you've done a hundred shows within five six you really kind of nail it down then you change wee bits and it's constantly evolved. even the last night of the show you know I've got a wee notebook I'm always kind of taking notes Um, you know if I ever had to do it again uh-huh. there's other wee improvements in there but what we'd done with, with the other show was it was just kind of jumping straight into the deep end and I remember Right before we are ready to go on stage, two of my mates, who are also magicians, were kind of backstage just kind of getting me ready to go on. I think I had a panic attack. I think I just really? had that real kind of... I was just kind of going, I feel really nervous, feel really nervous. Mm-hmm. But I think thinking back, I'm going, do you know what, that's probably a panic attack. Right, okay. Just because I had no idea. We hadn't even finished the tech, I think, programming in the lights and all that. Jack Victor. And, and I, all that. And I was like, 
Oh, this is horrible. And there was like some friends that hadn't seen me before they came to the show, and there was just lots of people in the audience that yeah. I would have wanted to see, them to see the show. And it's full. You know, once it had been kind of padded out and worked on for a couple of shows, but I think it was only six shows we done. You were never going to get it to that stage. But it's just the, probably it the was, perfectionist in you, like you say, that the feedback you got totally. was amazing. Yeah. But for you, it's just it's got a feel. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not just what it looks like, what it yeah, sounds totally. like, it's got to feel good. And I think the previous show, because the previous show was so, it was like, I could have done it in my sleep. Yeah. You know, everything was just so choreographed and the timing and it was a, it was almost second nature. Almost boring to a point where it was like, <laughs> I kind of know everything that could go wrong. I kind of know. Yeah, what, just all worked you know, out. You're and, right, and it can, the whereas, master. Whereas this, whereas this was the total opposite. And it, it was good in a way. And I wanted to do that show in a bigger venue, a bigger mm. theatre, just to, just to kind of challenge myself because I was used to doing these intimate shows and I think looking back the next project will definitely be a more intimate thing I think that's where I, what I'm good yeah, at the choices you make inform the next yeah. ones Jenny. yeah totally but I think just what you're saying that you know, where do you practice it's comedians have got lots of open mic nights yeah, and musicians there's so lots of places to go and be bad right okay b- b- cool b- b- before See, you're good you don't, you, I don't know this world this but, is whereas amazing. you know it's with the more intimate stuff if you're doing close up magic which is I'm a close-up magician. Mm-hmm. I think you know that that's fair enough to say. That's my my kind of expertise. I feel like you can pull some friends around, or you can you know and and work. You can say, listen, lunchtime, I'm going to do a fifteen-minute show. Bring your lunch, and you know you can, you can set up a space and and, and maybe just show people some, some, some stuff. <laughs> I don't do it all the time, but if, if you're working on new stuff, it's it's, yeah. it's easier to do that. Whereas if you're doing stage stuff, you maybe haven't you can ask comedy open mic nights but it's not the best environment because people that see comedy and all of a sudden you're doing a different thing and it's maybe not the best environment to do it yeah. so it's um, it's hard it is hard and sometimes you've just got to kind of roll with the punches and, and feel mm. it out as you feel it out as you go and like you were talking about other magicians like friends of yours so what is the community of magicians like what what what's the vibe what do people support each other yeah no I, I've never met somebody that I've disliked. Mm. You know, everybody's really, really nice. All the guys and, and girls that are involved in the magic community in Scotland are, are, are great and helpful and supportive. And it's cool. As people pass work on each other, and you know, I've helped a lot of other acts with their act. You know, yeah, just getting yeah. opinions and feeding stuff in, and you know, I know who I can ask for kind of advice and support, uh-huh. and maybe somebody go, "What do you think of this?" and get honest feedback. And sometimes we'll be pretty brutal towards it, but but I would much rather. I would much rather. But I think. You kind of learn to keep that to maybe two, three people that you mm. trust. It was interesting after the last show, I was really disappointed with it, and I thought there's lots of magicians came to see it, so I want to ask them individually and just get their feedback. Because sometimes you get just a wee nugget that you go, "Do you know what? That's that's, that's really that's clever." But it was really interesting because it was so conflicting. Right. Okay. It, it was all, you maybe would expect everybody to say the same thing, whereas it was totally. <laughs> It was just. Yeah, it was. It was so some people saying, "Oh, it was a wee bit dark." Some people saying it wasn't dark enough, and some people, oh. yeah, uh, saying, "You know, I thought you could have done more with this." Some people saying, "I think you took that too far," and it, it was just really interesting to get that feedback for people yeah. and what their perspective was on it. Mm. And then uh, there was a, a guy I just kind of met through him coming to the shows. Him and his wife, lovely couple from Edinburgh. He put this thing online, which was amazing, where he was selling his services. He was just like selling my service for a ten pound donation. Doesn't matter what it is, just. I'll do anything for £10 kind of thing <laughs> within, within reason I think and he came to see the show and I says look would you send me a week and a, a couple of paragraphs of feedback on the show because he's very very he's a very intelligent guy mm. uh, from just the kind of conversations we've had very well read really experienced goes to a lot of kind of music, comedy, theatre yes. I thought it'd be quite interesting to get some mm. feedback from. and he wrote me this like 3,000 word response and it was there was more in that wow. response for this guy who's a magic fan goes to see a lot of magicians there was so much gold in that than there was so cool. for all the magicians so I've kind of learned to kind of trust the people who maybe can come at it with a magic perspective yes, they don't have the insight but then the people who don't really know anything about magic yeah. but then can come at it from a theatrical point of view or just even a, yeah. an audience's experience point of view that was so valuable and um, I actually get, I gave him 20 quid for that I think <laughs> Um, I think I still owe my pint How as well, cool. so. That's such a great, great idea. Great idea. I think, and, he, and he made like, I don't know what he made, but he done like maybe three or four different things. Like charity, that'd be really cool. It was brilliant and really appreciated the, the time he took though, to do that. Like, that's just a classic example of another encounter that, you know, through the magic yeah. that you've met somebody like that that's now in your life that you can call on if you needed to and just that kind of... No, it's, 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 when you write the book, 
Ryan, that's in the, that's another one for the book, isn't it? <laughs> but I suppose it's just learning how to listen. Yes. So if, you know, if you listen to everybody, then it's just like it's just a lot of noise. It's just a lot of noise. Mm. Whereas if you learn, if learn who gets you, who understands what your act yeah. is about, what your kind of vibe is, what your style is, what it is you're trying to say, what it is you're trying to do, and then get their kind of feedback and trust that, but also trust your own instinct as well. Of course. I, the, the the feedback that I got back, there was nothing in it from other magicians that made me go. Oh, I never thought about that. Mm. It was things that we'd considered and we'd made a conscious effort to avoid that or working with the director, it was like, maybe take that bit out or maybe move, okay. change the order. So it was things we'd consciously thought about. It wasn't just haphazard, yeah. let's put some, some tricks together and do a show. It was, we had these kind of internal dialogues between the, the kind of creative team to go, we'd put that there, will we move that there, will we, should that bit be quite dark? Should it be done in character? Mm. Should that be a vignette? Should that be something that's... Uh, so we had all these different conversations. So it was it was just interesting. It was fascinating. You would think that all the magicians would be saying the same thing. But it was, but it, but it was different. But the community's great. The, the community's yeah. good. Um, there's, I mean, I, I don't go to conventions and I don't... Okay. I'm, I'm no part of magic clubs. I'm no part of the magic circle. Okay. So all these political kind of organisations. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not involved in any yeah. of that. But the guys that go for a beer and a bite to eat and a wee catch up and share ideas and, and work on things are all amazing yeah, really, really nice the, guys. obviously the, really the joy of it drives that for everybody and yeah. they just want to be supportive and keep magic alive and I think the thing you know we've done the show in the hotel I would always close the show by saying you know thanks for coming and supporting live magic mm. because it's it, something I'm really passionate about is, Absolutely. is you know try to encourage other people to go and do live shows uh-huh. don't, just, don't just work corporate events and weddings and this kind of mm be kind of comfort blanket of something you've been doing for five, six, ten, whatever years. Write a show. Yeah, the way that and, you and talk about it, like you can see the fires there. It's lit, and you when you talk about doing the shows, like yeah. obviously invest. It's not just doing the magic. It's it, you know they're talking about lighting and talking about being in character, and that's mm-hmm. you've obviously developed and devised yeah. something with a team that yeah. you know. And, and it's trying for me. It's about the audience experience. Yeah. You know, I always try and think about what what's the magic show that I would want to go and see. Yes. You know, and and what would be good for an audience to experience because there's a great line in a book by a magician called Eugene Burger, who American guy who died um, last year or the year before, and it's. As magicians, we should never settle for anything less than the best places to share our magic. And sometimes, you know, weddings and christenings and communions and hen parties isn't maybe not the best environment. Mm. You want people to be invested in yeah. that experience, so buying a ticket, coming in, getting to the front row, engaging themselves in that experience rather than just being drunk at a party and going, Way, well, that was, you know, and that's. Won't see this, won't see this and, guy! And, and, and whenever, whenever, um, do you want to do my Wayne's party? <laughs> What ages are we in? Four? Nah, you, don't, you don't get it. But, but it's, um, I've heard a lot of people that their only experience of seeing or you know experiencing magic close up as a participant yeah. will be at a wedding or a mm. corporate event. You know, Very few True. people will get a chance to go and see it in a space that's like comedy or theatre or music where you go into a venue, you're uh-huh. there for that sole purpose, you maybe research the performer, mm. you, you may be a fan or you've kind of liked the previous work. Um, and you invest yourself in it whereas and, and for Very me true. magic should sit and have that kind of parity Absolutely, with music, dance, theatre, comedy that people pay to, 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 to go and see live so yeah. I think my big thing has always been trying to I, mean, I don't really perform much at weddings Yeah, I'll do the odd corporate event um, most of the time it will be kind of private shows so yeah. somebody says, and I guess you, that's where you cut your teeth you've, you've done that yeah and, and there's nothing wrong with that I mean no. it, it's great and you can make great money doing it mm. and there's some there's some really phenomenal commercial magicians who do that kind of stuff and they do it really well. I'm not a great wedding magician or okay. strolling around and going from table to table. I don't enjoy it and I'm not great at it. Whereas there's some other guys and girls that are just phenomenal. They yeah. just get in amongst it and they'll perform for the sun comes up to the sun goes uh-huh. down and, and they don't lose an ounce of energy. Um, whereas for me, I think that's great and it gives people a wee taste. But mm. I would just love for there to be 10 magic shows in Glasgow and 10 in Edinburgh that people go... Oh, I've heard about this really good yeah. thing. I want, I want to go and see it. I want, I want everybody who's a magician to have a, a show, whether it's at, mm. you know the fringe or whether it's a regular thing in in the city or the town where they live. Mm-hmm. I want people to see it for being an art form of and course. for being a performance art that you should invest in. And people want to go and go. But and what see. you're doing will undoubtedly inspire others. Yeah, and, and as I say, when I close my show, I would be saying to people, "Thanks for supporting live magic. Go and see it. There's the Edinburgh International Magic Festival mm-hmm. at the." The Edinburgh Festival, there's lots of magic acts, some phenomenal magicians that come from all over the world. Mm. Some of the Scottish talent we've got is, is incredible. Um, 
you know, and there's there's people doing kind of pop up stuff. It's like go and see it, go and yeah. experience it properly. Don't watch the it on YouTube. The fact that you didn't discover it until you were eighteen, I think, is yeah. you know, gives somebody. A, I can, oh wait a minute, you know, it doesn't need to be something you've no, done from no. when you were, you know, four T- totally. or whatever. Where a magic that you got at Christmas, you yeah. know, something no, that you found and just made it. Yeah, and it's coming at it for an adult. I mean, I, people sometimes ask me to do kids stuff, and I'm like, I don't. You're either a kids performer mm. or an adult. When you see an adult performer try to do stuff for kids, you go. <laughs> Mm. Oh, he's an adult. He's not yeah. really used to what, and the vice versa. You know, if you see a yeah, kids performer kids, doing, like with, yeah, it's a specialism. Yeah. And I suppose that there just gets that kind of point where, for me, it was like I need to I need to do something here that kind of gains a bit more respect for what I'm what I'm doing. And I think mm. there's no more respect and love than somebody investing the hard earned money to come and see you Absolutely. do do your show. And whether you know, it was interesting. We get a lot of feedback, especially in the the hotel show. Because it, it really gathered pace, you know. Mm. It was a year-long residency that extended. And so had you just... Why Grand Central had you thought that, you know... Beautiful venue. That is, that is um, stunning. And I kind of had a connection through a connection to kind of cool. get, get a meeting. Mm. And they were... They must have been just... They, they were... I mean, for, for them, it was only 15 people that were maybe in buying a couple of pints. A few folks staying over, a few folk in mm. again having... But they just, I think, just loved the concept That's of having something like, different. That's what I mean. Like, it's so cool. Do you know what I mean? It's just so and, different. And I think what happened was we, we announced it, I think, in the November, the previous year to kick off in the February. We'd done some preview shows in uh-huh. January. But when we announced it in November, it sold out until May. And I was like, right, cool. This is... People mm. are kind of getting what this is going to be. Then we got to May, then June went pretty quick, and then July started drying up. And I was like, oh, no, summer months, maybe we've... Right, okay. And I thought, we've um, we've announced it for the year, we've put the dates up in a poster, we've put the tickets up right through to December. Maybe we should have waited. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should have just uh, held off. And then... Due to popular demand. Yeah, it's the, it's, but what happened was not... By, mm. the, by the end of August, it sold it for the whole year. That's incredible. And then in November, we extended it to... Till the end of May, and it sold out in four minutes. What? And so it was just that kind of word of mouth, just people kind of going, "It's a really cool thing." And what I was going to say is, at the end of the show, I was always kind of chatting to folk, and I would get photographs of people just mm. to say, "You know, thanks for coming." Ah. And I wanted to have a collection of photographs with every couple and every group that came to see the show, nice. and some of the individuals that came on their own. <laughs> they were they were nice, um, <laughs> but there was a lot of people, especially men. Who I think had been dragged by their girlfriends and their partners, yeah. who would sit, you know, with their arms crossed in the front row, like. No, I mean, that's what's this all about. I know, you know, and people kind of go, and we up to the weekend. I'm going to, going to see a magic show, and my, my missus is taking. <laughs> who then at the end? Yeah, who then at the end of the show were like, mate, that was Love incredible. Yeah. And then my phone would start buzzing in my pocket, and it would, it would be people who'd been to the show going down to the bar, and then buying more tickets for their family, their mums, their, their friends, or, organising work to come. So that was just a really, really that cool thing. That is the thing. joy of live theatre, yeah, Jimmy. But then for me, it was like people are getting it. Yes. People are getting it. People understand what what it's about and what we're trying to do. And it was for it was different. Want to be word, the magic yeah. of close up yep. being part of it, like you say, being a participant, not sitting back, yep. not watching it in the telly. And, yeah, and people saying know? that you know, I've seen people do magic before and I've seen it on television, mm. but to watch it within, I mean, the furthest like away person distance. was like five <laughs> uh-huh. feet away. Yeah. So to be that close and to experience it was was just something else so it was good and you know the, the show had a narrative that ran through it as mm. well and um, there was like a kind of double reveal at the end of the show and that kind of tied the story up there's people crying at the end of the show sometimes as well wow. so that was a really nice thing where you go people are getting into the yeah. the narrative and kind of and losing themselves in it in the yeah, story yeah, of it all yeah totally so yeah I, I would love to see more more magic happening uh-huh. more live shows whether it's just pop up but also you know work at it don't just go I'm going to put together Ten tricks and put it together oh. in a show. It's like craft something. You're trying to do something a yeah. bit different. Trying. And what is it about the storytelling? Like, how do you? Is there just something that grasps you? Then you're like, I'm going to go with that and try and make the tricks work. Or, you know, yes, are you a natural storyteller? Is that? Uh, I don't know. I would. That's not to me to say whether I'm an actual <laughs> storyteller, but that was one of the good bits of feedback we got mm. about the last show. You're obviously well read, and you know yeah. you're educated. Like it's obviously you have a. Yeah. I think interesting stories. Yeah, but I think it's you know the the storyteller always wins. You know, it's that kind of even when you're sitting in company with people who tell stories, mm-hmm. they just are so engaging just because of the the topic they're talking about yeah. or the, the humour in the story. It's, yeah. You know, I've got friends and people. You know, my, my girlfriend's family as well. Just get some great storytellers yeah. that just have you on the edge of your seat, and <laughs> whether it's a, a funny punchline or a sad kind of bit to the end of the story. It's a story's a natural way to kind of draw mm-hmm. people in. 
So if you can, you know, couple that with a, a feeling of magic or an experience yeah. of magic, then I think it's much more powerful than just here's a trick. Oh yeah. well, how did you do that? And it's so it's never about the how; it's about why. Yes. You know, why? Why? Why is that? Mm. Why is that made me feel? <laughs> There's always been that kind of debate. I think within the magic community is is magic art. Mm-hmm. There's a great documentary, um, Paul Wilson made a, a great thing, it's called um, What is Magic? And it's magicians talking about their experiences of magic and okay. there was a, a section which is magic art. And it was interesting just because it was different views where the yeah. people thought and I think magicians maybe make that mistake of going, I want to say it's art because then it elevates it okay. without, having, without having to do the work that makes it <laughs> art. We just call it art as a standard yeah. and you know, magic's art. Um, but to me art is kind of when something... A performance or a piece that you do, whether it's a dance or a, a joke or you know a, a magic effect or a small illusion, whatever it is, when it transcends the kind of aesthetic of just how it looks yes. and it's something that far makes deeper, feel. makes you feel something, yeah. it's, and it grabs you. That's when you go. I remember, mm. remember watching my, my best friend's wee girl Laurie dancing, and it was like the first time I'd seen her dancing, and I just felt really emotional mm. watching her dance because it. She wasn't just doing it, it was to music and it yeah. was like a slow piece and I was like, totally it wasn't yeah. just about how beautiful the dance was, it was the music, it was the timing, it was every single movement in her body right to her fingertips, uh-huh. it was the expression on her face, it was the way she used the floor, it was the way the light followed around the room and it, it just, it was far more than just a beautiful yeah. bit of lighting or the music, it was yeah, just all something. blended together. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, into and one. Yeah, and I think when, you, when I go and see magicians who do like nice magic, you go, Technically, you can appreciate what they're doing, yeah. but there's some some guys who just tell really good stories. Yeah, you and, should be totally should totally take in. you somewhere else. Like you, like I always say that when I go to see like a musical or a show or whatever, like you shouldn't feel like you're in a theatre. Like you should be so like immersed in it yeah. that you just you lose track of where yeah. you are and what you know every, and anything. It's like meditation almost. Like yeah. you shouldn't really be thinking about anything else yeah. apart from what you're looking at. And also just understanding that. Okay, storytelling's great, but don't yeah. just tell ten stories <laughs> for, for, te- for, te- for ten tricks. Aye. It's known when's the best part of the act to put mm. a story in. When's it, just kind of finding the light in the, the shade. When, when's good to put in comedy? When do you need to break the tension to then bring you know, to heighten the ten- yeah. you know, to heighten the tension again? You know, and is that-, that something you think you've got better at, or do you always? Fi- I guess if you were a musician and you know when you were younger and stuff, yeah. you'd obviously. T- practice it you know performing as yeah. such but being a performer and and then such an intimate setting and how you do it yeah and, and you kind of hide there's no there mm. is no way to hide but i think you just kind of learn by doing it there was one one routine in the in little mysteries where it kind of builds up and builds up and builds up but before it gets to the climax there's this one bit that's just really really strong and everybody's just <gasps> it gets to that point but i need to I need to bring them back down again oh, because, whoa, because it's, it's like, yep, yep, don't, don't get too excited. Yep, 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 sit down. But, but construct, when you're constructing it, you need to then bring them back a little bit because there's something far greater ready to come. Because right. if you just go from that bit to that bit, the jump is only is only millimetres. Whereas if you can mm. bring them back down a few inches to then bring them back up again, it's far, <laughs> greater, than, than, yep, it's far yeah. greater than the first bit. So sometimes that can be just a wee joke where you bring, ah, you break the tension, people nice. kind of laugh, they relax, and then. God, that's there's, so there's, there's, there's another bit, and also the, the, there's parts of that routine as well where I was trying to find the right words and like I need to change. There's a bit where I need to kind of almost explain what's about to happen to build that tension at the start, and I tried maybe like ten different lines and I just wasn't nailing it. And the solution was I actually don't say anything. Right. You don't need to say anything because what you're doing is actually speaking for itself. Okay. So don't over speak yes. don't say too much so it's finding that kind of those moments where you need to bring it up where you need to bring it down where you need to use your voice to heighten something where you need to kind of really rein it in or times when you just don't see anything just don't yeah. just don't speak you must just be like in some of the moments like just have that quick look, look around yeah. the room and be like yes yeah <laughs> and, and, and so, sometimes it's no when people are like clapping and oh, no. and like wow and it's that That's silence where people, people are just are really just taking in what's happened and their brains are kind of trying to Try to kind of work out the cogs are going. Yeah. That's the best reaction. Is sometimes is silence when people are just like just like flummoxed. Yeah, and it was weird because I think some audiences to show their appreciation they want to stand, so it's like mm. kind of standing ovation. That's weird in a room with fifteen people <laughs> where they're just they're standing right next to you, and it's like, oh, okay, hey. well, th- thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, 
I went to see the Ballet Boys last week, and um, just when you were saying about that round of applause, like it was so mind-blowingly beautiful and captivating, and I've never seen anything like it in mm. my entire life. These six guys were just insane. Like mm. it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, and they're just oh, they were actual gods, and you know what I mean. You, you didn't want to clap because it just you were just like mm-hmm. were there with you and yep. it felt like clapping would spoil it for them yep. you know but then you were like you do know we're loving this don't you yeah. and at the end everybody was just like oh, mm. you just had to go on your feet yeah. I mean it was like and, it was in a theatre but uh, yeah. and different audiences show their appreciation different people just show yeah, their appreciation in different ways I remember doing An Honest Deception and the, the old hairdressers and uh, there was a young guy that I know and he was sitting there was a kind of stairwell in the middle and he was sitting at the back row seat on the stairwell okay. just slouched in his seat with his legs spread just <laughs> arms folded and he never really clapped the whole way through the show and he kept catching my eye you know this if ah. any performers listening will know this like, the whole room could be like wow you're the best ever and there's and one, one person yep. who's just kind of sitting always catches that. your eye <laughs> and I remember it really really put me off the, the, the show and I was like I need to and win. I need to win him I, over. I know, and, and you make that mistake of going, and, and you spend your energy focusing on this one person, forgetting there's still everybody yeah. else. So, uh-huh. so you make that mistake. But I remember going, oh, he's not enjoyed the show, and he, he was, he'd seen me before, and he was a big fan. He think he brought his girlfriend, and he came with a couple of his pals. And after the show, he, he kind of hung about downstairs, and I came down to see my family. I think my family were in that night, and I noticed he was standing, and he'd made a point of staying. He came up and he gave me a hug and went, "Mate, that's the best thing I've ever seen." So you can never tell. You can never tell. You can just never tell. Sometimes, sometimes people <laughs> wanna they wanna let everybody else know that they're enjoying it, so they'll they'll clap yes. louder and they'll cheer and they'll whip and and I, and there's, there were some shows where um, people that I kind of knew, maybe no friends, but people I kind of knew from where I grew up in Castlemilk. Mm. Um, as soon as the show finished, it's like that was the end. People would clap and they would just come up and give me a hug. Nice. And you go, that's. Different, but it's yeah. just p- p- different people's appreciation and people saying things like, just really proud of you. And you go, that's, that's amazing. It's, that it's, amazing. A diff- it's a different kind of yeah. different kind of response. So, And the support I've had, I mean, just mentioning Castlemilk there, where I grew up, it's always one of these areas where it's, you know, the bottom 5% and kind of the, mm. the index of multiple deprivation right. and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And these areas always get these kind of bad, you know, they get bad press for youth violence and crime and all the rest of it. Castlemilk is one of the greatest places in the world. And the support I've had for there's just been phenomenal. I don't think I would ever have. I wouldn't be sitting here kind of doing shows if it wasn't for the people in Castlemilk because right? they bought tickets, they sold tickets, they, you know, they came. In. I remember the very first show that I done. I was like, I'm going to do a show. You know, I'm always doing these kind of close-up things, and people are kind of interested. And I'm going to put on a show. So I done a show in the the Buff Club. Do you remember the middle section before you got up to the nightclub? Right, there was like a kind okay. of wee cabaret venue. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of held, I think, 50 people, 60 people. So I thought, I'm, I think 30 would be comfortable and then they could spread out and it would mm. look busy. <laughs> so I announced this show. It was a, a Friday night, a Saturday night. And I was going to my Christmas night out and I thought, I could put it up. So it's Friday, it was payday maybe, whatever. And I put tickets on sale and to get tickets, it was just, just inbox me how many tickets you want and we'll sort it mm. and I thought you know if we sell 10 tickets I'll just can I get my family to come in so I sat down and had my starter and people were saying oh, I've seen you put a thing up on Facebook about show and I was like ah. so I checked my inbox and it was like we sold it like right what? away but then we had enough people that had registered interest to say actually we're going to do another night can you make the Saturday or whatever the other night uh-huh. was going to be so then we sold it four nights and we increased the capacity to 60. So I mean, that's just quite, and it was just people for Castmont going, oh, that's that guy, oh, I didn't imagine, I'm going to buy a ticket to go, just probably out of curiosity or no- yeah, nosiness. Yeah, up to. And just, and just the support I've had for folk, and it's places like Castmont have just got so much talent mm. in there. But, you know, these index of multiple deprivation and all this other nonsense, it never measures community spirit and the yeah, phenomenal absolutely. workers and Spot people on. that are that are committing their life to try to kind of better people's lives and yeah. you know Castlemilk is just a thriving hotbed of young talent of musicians um, musicians um, ma- young magicians mm-hmm. you know actors actresses comedians um, dancers it's just the, the talent up there is phenomenal but it's you know these working class areas sometimes young people there's financial barriers to participating in things and there's so many other things that just parents maybe can't support and it's, it's horrendous because the, the working class talent up yeah. there is, is f- 
frightening. And you see somebody like Jerry Cinnamon, you know, Cass Boy that's just absolutely. went and done his that's own right. thing and, and is it. absolutely smashing it. It's you know just I mean? having that belief in yourself and the backing of your yeah. the folk around you like you I, have. Yeah, you and, know? I, and I suppose it's that kind of like not really caring about what your background is. Like, no. like kind of having that as a like being proud to be for Cass or being proud to be for Govan or proud to be for. Yeah. Not a label that's yeah. going to hold you back. Yeah, yeah. And I always make a joke about that, you know. Um, when I was at college, I used to always get, oh, you've a cast smoke, oh, you know, hide, hide, your, hide your purse, hide your wallet. You know, I used to get wow. that when I was younger. And it was always something that I think when you when you get into a different environment with maybe people from different areas, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost a kind of barrier between them and us. And I found that quite a lot. And luckily, one of my lecturers at, at college, he was... He loved Casamilk and took a wee shine to me because I was <laughs> Chateau he would call it. But um, I always make a joke now when people say, oh, he's a magician. You know, I hide, you know, I hide my... I say, don't hide it because I'm a magician, hide it because I'm for Casamilk. And they go, oh, you've Casamilk, boy. And then right away you kind of build a connection. So, no, I think... Yeah, be proud of... Be, be proud of it, but, but don't, don't, don't wear it as a kind of, you know, a ball and chain in your no. legs. Don't let it kind of hold you back. Absolutely. Because there's oh, some we're incredible all, talent We're all there. just members of the world mm-hmm, I know <laughs> and just seeing you know there's a young girl that's kind of singing for cast milk you know Robin Ashcroft she's phenomenal right okay absolutely I'm phenomenal she maybe get her on man she's yeah. just and I was playing what kind of stuff like acoustic acoustic yeah. but she does her own stuff she's, I mean, she learned the guitar and she was on stage in a year and plays piano and stuff like that. that? She's just in um, the Castle Youth Complex. I think you kind of supported her at the start. Okay. And they were hosting some music nights and stuff like that. Just a f- I love all that. Just like a natural, yeah. a natural talent, and her voice is just <laughs> phenomenal. But I, I, I can play a bit of piano and I play yes, a bit of guitar, and, and, um, and I'm, I'm composing music for my next show. Just, I just as a, 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 a just because you've got nothing else to do. Just to in, I mean, just an interest. But it's something I'm quite, awesome. kind of, quite keen on doing. Mm. But. There was a kind of anti-austerity group that were doing music nights in Castlemilk, uh-huh. and I used to kind of sing and play open mic nights and cool. we fundraisers years ago, and I hadn't done it for say, 10, 12 years. Yeah. And the organizer Kathy Mulligan had says, "Do you want to want to come up and do a few songs?" And I went, "Do you know what, Kathy? I'm going to go. I'm going to do a few songs." And I was so nervous. <laughs> and then uh, I arrived, and I'm like, "So what's the what's the running order?" And Robin Ashcroft was on before me, <laughs> like, and, I'm, oh, and I'm just sitting yeah. there going, "Oh." <laughs> And it's going after phenomenal. And then I goes up and guitars no in tune and forgetting words. I've got an iPad sitting with the words on. And I'm just like, oh god. <laughs> good on but, you for doing it though. I know that was a good night. There was some yeah. some great talent Sometimes on that. Sometimes you well. stick your neck out a bit, don't you? You yeah. know, like is that something yeah. I did a lot yeah. in my youth was music, and it was second nature to me. And then kind of stopped that to do the dance more. Yeah. And you know, I've always danced and sang and played mm-hmm. guitar. And when you were talking about doing that, I was like, oh, I could actually feel how nervous I would be if somebody yeah. was like. You know, folk are always saying to me, you should be still gigging. And I'm like, um, oh, that puts the fear of nonsense into me. <laughs> See, I, I, I've never gigged playing music. I've yeah. done like kind of wee charity fundraiser things and wee bits and pieces. But um, but no, I think Casamilk, just a phenomenal hotbed of talent. Yeah, and, and, and then just whenever somebody's doing something, I mean, magic's not the coolest thing. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 I beg to differ. You know, I think, you know, if there was a young musician or a comedian for Casamilk, they'd gain a big following. And, Whereas magic was one of these things, I'm like, why would people kind of come and see magic when I was first starting? And then seeing everybody just getting right into it and the ah. support that I got for you up the road was just amazing. So People are good. The majority mm-hmm. of people are good and they want to see other people do well. Yeah. And they will invest as much as they can. And I think that's the beauty of social media as much as it's not... Absolutely. It's not great in a lot of senses, but for young people, they like, can be putting out their music, can be putting out yeah. what they're doing in, into the world and kind of getting a bit of I, I suppose, backing. Yeah, I suppose one of the greatest things I, I think I learned at a young age was just not really, just do your thing and not really care about what other people think. Here, here. I mean, you kind of worry too much about that and it's, it's hard to escape, but... It really is. Even just in a personal sense, like, I don't really care if people like me or no, mm. or if people have a different perception of me. It's like, I'm not really bothered with that. Totally. I think if young people and could get out of this... Hard and, Talk about social media, I think that's the hardest bit about social media is just being yourself because people put out highlights real. Yeah, it's, it's very false. It's you know, 127 selfies before you can get the right one with the right light and totally. stuff like that. And I think young men as well, people always talk about young girls on social media. I think young men, there's this kind of pressure yeah. to be you know, driving this nice car and wearing nice mm-hmm. watches. and It's just stuff, it's mm-hmm. just things. It's just debt. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Don't grow up. <laughs> Adult and it's a trap. <laughs> I know, it is. It's horrendous. So what's next for you? Um 
new show, new project working on. Hopefully yes. it'll be announced soon. Awesome. We're in April of 2019, so hopefully mm. it'll be announced soon. Um, and hopefully it'll be August. I'm betting and, my tickets in and, now and while some, you're here. Because <laughs> <and just, laughs> I know how fast they sell it. <laughs> and, and just something very different. I think it'll be like more of an ex- engaging, exper- experiential kind of... Thing rather than just a rather than just a show. So, we'll so get, you're already we'll, composing music. For yeah, it. writing exciting. some music. Started writing the show. Started tweeting things. Um, just trying to try to finalise venue mm. details and stuff as well. That's so, exciting. Yeah, it's strange. I've got a real love hate relationship with magic as well. Right. Um, which is like sometimes I'll just be right into it and love it, and other times I'll just be like it's the last thing I want to do with my time. And I'll kind of I'll bin things. I've got about hundred notebooks at home just with. <laughs> ideas and things and I started having to ref- come up with a system for referencing things because I would just write down wow. something and I would go oh that sounds very great disciplined right now. And, and I'd have all the notebooks but they'd be but, but what would happen is I would write a note and go oh amazing that's a great idea and then six months later I would open up the notebook I'd been through and going what does that mean <laughs> I don't have what did my former self just, mean yeah just like turns into a duck and then yeah, what what is that <laughs> I come up with like a kind of referencing system that's so, so that I kind of know roughly yeah, that, what Because that's basically me with everything that I choreograph. If I choreograph far too far in advance and I write it down, I'll forget it in my body because mm-hmm. I'll have not done it enough for it to be muscle memory. Yeah. And then I'll look back at my note and I'll be like, right, Aram goes where? But I'm like, I remember this. You're trying to act it out and there's just arms just... In like, the spare room. But, um, but no, um, write the new show. Mm. And then hopefully um, doing some shows abroad. Cool. As well. So has has your magic afforded you that previously? Have you kind of travelled yeah, the world? Yeah. I wouldn't say travelled the world, but mm. um, I've got some really interesting clients. Um, I was flown over to Geneva, just outside Geneva, to go and nice. perform for four people. Wowzers. Um, which was cool. Which was really really interesting. Nice. So yeah, kind of American Canadian interesting people no I, I think hopefully by the end of the year um, obviously with baby coming and stuff Yay! like that uh, we need to try and work, work at timings but yeah hopefully some shows um, some shows abroad both kind of public mm. shows and private shows so we've got some connections who are working away in the background on that That's one so really nice. see what happens excellent what happens. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been an absolute well, it's been, it's been joy. Great. And you, you bought soy milk and I some did. vegan cookies as I well, which is amazing. via Instagram. I'm like, <laughs> there's a vegan coming to my house. I better be prepared. <laughs> I hey. did. I googled it. The joy of Google. <laughs> so, Ryan, we're moving on very quickly if you have the time yeah, to yeah, the absolutely. thingy-bobs. Basically, yeah. they're random questions. Random questions. Just in case we don't feel that we know Ryan quite enough yet. These are more just on the spot, throw them at you. I've got lots of ones here, but I've highlighted some for you. Okay. All right. Fairly. So the first one would be, can you finish this sentence? I have always wanted to... Build my own house. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a dream of mine is to build my own own house. Do you know what it looks like? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like one of these grand designs, all of grand designs. Not, not as big as that, because right. that's probably unachievable, but Fine. it's something that a self-build that's yeah. kind of of a, an average People size. That, like containers and all Yeah, that. I, I love that. Love yeah. that container home size. Yes. So I've, I've, got, I've got a floor plan of what my <laughs> self-build house would you look like. Very, you seem very disciplined to me, and I feel like you've got lots, you're a planner. Um, some people might disagree with <laughs> 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 Um but no, I, I, maybe just I've, I've got vision. Yes. And sometimes don't get as far as bringing it to reality, but hmm. yeah, can I? You use your imagination to its full potential. Yeah, but I, I'm just I'm useless. I mean, I can't I can't put a screw in the wall. Right. So I need to well, like make sure I get people in. Painting. I'm treacherous at painting. No. My mate's a painter and decorator. He mm. came to our first house and just slated. I only painted it white. <laughs> it's not as if I'd done even cover. And he's just like, did did you paint this? <laughs> Go away. Go away. <laughs> To be fair, they'll be probably fed up praising you that much for your talent. They've got to get you somewhere, know what I mean? <laughs> get me on the paint. Get me on the paint. <laughs> Who would your three dinner party guests be if you had your oh, pick of anybody? I mean, it job. might be family, it might not be, it might be. Wouldn't it be family? No. Fine. Sick of eating food with them. Too messy. Um, who would be my dinner? Alive or... Free Let's go alive because right. dead just there's too many people. Um, okay. No Gallagher, 
big cool. fan, big Oasis yeah, fan, and cool. just uh, just always been an old Gallagher fan. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson, yes, fascinating guy. Mm-hmm. His book's amazing. Is really, it? really right. Okay. The first one I've not read. The second one, fascinating. And probably Darren Brown. Yes. I would probably invite. That Darren. was a really interesting uh, interview with him on. Russell Brand's podcast Under the Skin. Oh, I've not heard that one yet. That's good. But no, they would probably be my three, my three living people. Would you cook for them or would you? I would cook. Yeah, would some you? vegan food. They probably throw it in my face, but. <laughs> much everything that you put on your Instagram always looks very nice. Always oh, good. So I enjoy cooking. I enjoy cooking. What's your biggest pet peeve? People in public places, eating. <laughs> See the noise of people eating. And then when it's like a train and they're eating, it's the noise and the smell. Nah. No, no, no. Nah. Public eating. I would rather sit next to somebody smoking than somebody eating. Wow. I hate the noise. We fight in the house all the time. Just people, just the two is eating crisps or something and we'll be verbally abusing each other. We're as bad as each other. It's terrible. So There's a name for it. There's a, it is like a mm. thing where you don't, you don't like the noise of people eating. Yeah. But then you couple that in like a confined space and somebody's eating and you can smell it. Fish supper, some, the noise of somebody just slabbering over a fish supper and the smell of fish. Get off this train. Get off this train. I can train. see. You've, you've aye. curled aye. up. Aye. That's, that's my, I can physically see. Yeah, that's your pet peeve. If I ever run, run the country, that would, I would outlaw eating in public places. Like trains and buses and right, bus stops. So we're allowed to go to restaurants. Restaurants are fine, because that's the fine. main purpose cool. of a restaurant. I'm alive. I was like, and, and there's kind of distance between you and the person that's True. eating. But Whereas not trains or side by side in a train or somebody busts. That. I mean, you're touching shoulder to shoulder and somebody busts at a fish supper. That's a bit much, right? That is a bit much, actually. You're right enough. Mm. Selfish. Selfish. What's the one story that your family or friends retell about you time and time again? Oh, I don't know if there's any that are repeatable. <laughs> oh, um, I'll t- I tell you a funny story. Once though, um, when we just left school, there was a kind of core bunch of about five or sixes that used to kind of hang about together uh-huh. and two of the boys could drive right they could drive straight off when they left school some of them mm. could, in fact they could drive when we were at school and uh, we used to just kind of chip in pay them a fiver and fuel money and we'd just go a drive about mm. and it was cool when you were like 17 of course and uh, Christmas night we decided to go a drive in Robert Burns's car um, my mate Robert Burns on the port because he's dead <laughs> and uh there was five and we went up to the do you know the James Hamilton Heritage Park yes and they thought it would be, it would be a good idea to give me a shot of a car I'd never driven a car before right. I hadn't done any lessons so three of them got out of the car and me and Robert stayed in the car and they took me up and we'd done a wee bully I came back down to the car park and they kind of done that thing with you put your hands up like a goalie and you go as if oh you're going to try and knock me down and I thought it would be quite funny if I just revved the engine in first gear to, <laughs> to kind of go and scare them but me not really had known what I was doing no. in the car. I was in first gear and oh, I just drove and two of them went one way. So I swerved the other way and Neil Ferguson went the other way and I knocked him down. Nearly rolled over him Christmas night. <laughs> I don't know and why I'm laughing. I know. And it was, if you're listening, okay. if you're listening Neil, I'm still... I don't, so he's he not, alive. Yeah, he is alive. Um, well, I'm, I'm assuming he's alive. Um, so sorry Neil if you're listening to this. Um, and, 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 he, and, he, and he ripped all his brand new track. So <gasps> that he got to, it was Christmas night. Like, mag- like, mag- imagine I knocked somebody down and killed them on Christmas night. Um, so that's probably one of the few that I could that I so could kids. tell. Moral of the story is. I know, don't don't wear good don't, tracks don't. on Christmas night. I know it was terrible. That's I felt nuts. I felt so bad. That's probably why he doesn't talk to me to this day. Well, <laughs> but it was it was bad, and it wasn't until like later on they realised I could have killed. I could have rolled right over Aye. him and killed him. Jeez, oh man. I know. Well, to be fair, they were stalking about in front of. Yeah. Car driven by somebody who'd never driven a car. It's not that a purple corsa. Imagine getting knocked down and killed by a purple corsa. God. So embarrassing that would have been. But, um, no, there's lots of other stories, but probably That's not very... broadcastable, to be honest. Favourite quote? I don't really have a favourite quote, mm. but I do have like, a wee kind of thing that I kind of live by. And it's like, as, ah, it's like, as individuals, we kind of change the world that we live in but we can change the way that we live in the world. I think that's why, you know, I'm kind of quite conscious about eating and mm. the planet and even just, like, being kind to people, you know. 100%. And small acts of kindness and small kind of gestures and just kind of doing your, doing your wee bit to yeah. make the world a nicer place. You're doing place. it today, you're here yeah. for me. You yeah. help me out. Yeah. That's, that's 
Amazing. Yeah, I I th- everybody should do more of that. Yeah, I think just recognising that you're a very small cog in a massive, massive, massive wheel. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Just a wee smile. You do your, aye. Help out somebody just for the sake of doing it, just because you can. Definitely. I love when you see just a, a wee moment of kindness, somebody doing something, and when it's unexpected or when it's not prompted or no asked for, and I think kindness is the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. so easy to be kind. It's free. It's so easy to, to, to do small things that have a massive 100%. impact on somebody. And I think, you know, whether it's giving somebody your time, whether it's a small gesture, whether it's even just a wee kind of smile, I think kindness goes a long way and mm-hmm. and it can make people feel differently about their day and it can have an impact on people. Mm-hmm. And social isolation is just a massive thing just now. It's a massive cover, I think. And whenever, you know, you see people that get out and about, you know, you might be the only person they see that day or the only person they have interaction with, so be kind. Yeah. Be kind. And yeah. I think, you know, I posted a thing on Facebook the other day, I've seen these two young kids meeting at the school gates. I, I read that, that was fabulous. And, it just, it, and just seeing how just carefree they were and just hugging each other and then they held hands crossing the road, wee boy and a wee girl, seven year old. And just the, the lollipop woman was just kind of smiling and it made me smile and I just couldn't stop thinking about it all day, just like... These kids, totally unaware of yeah, everything going on in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just holding each other's hands, going to school. Like just, just so kind and just... More than that, Definitely, please. definitely. Best song lyric? Oh. Um, oh, lots. But there's a No Gallagher um, lyric that I love. And it's in a song called If I Had a Gun. And it's, um, excuse me if I spoke too soon. My eyes have always followed you around the room. It's like, you're the only God I'll ever need. And I'm not religious, but I think sometimes in life you f- you know, maybe sometimes for people religion is the thing in their life that keeps them grounded and is a, a kind of central point of context. Mm. Whereas I think, for, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in, in anything. Mm-hmm. But I maybe find that in people. And I think whether it's friends or a partner, it's sometimes, I think Kylie for me is the kind of only God I'll ever need. Just that one person that keeps you grounded that Absolutely. you can turn to and gives you context and in your life and uh, it's, my eyes have always followed you around the room because you're the only God I'll ever need I quite like that that's lovely that's, a, that's perfect don't, don't tell her I said that <laughs> cut that bit out edit that bit <laughs> what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase um, <laughs> is this the moment where you swear I know I, I know I know <laughs> You've done so well by the way. I'm, done, I'm such a bad swearer. <laughs> this has been, this is, been in history. This is the first time I've ever done an interview. It's recorded as well, so, yep. so good. Um, there's, there's lots of Scottish words, and I love when you use Scottish words to non Scottish people. Mm, you said Burley earlier on, which I appreciate. What did I say? Burley. We did a wee Burley. Oh, a wee Burley? Oh, like, yeah. No, but I, I think <laughs> if I had to choose one, I would probably go Glacot. Yes. Glacot. Because. If you were going to put Glacot in the dictionary, uh-huh. you wouldn't put you wouldn't have a, a definition. You would just put a <laughs> photograph of something you know. That, looking a bit Glacot. <laughs> and yeah. then if if you use the word Glacot and somebody goes, "What does Glacot mean?" It's impossible to describe. Uh, it, it, sure it, is. It's it's just somebody who's somebody who's Glacot. Well, it's like somebody. It's a bit um, Glacot. A bit Glacot. <laughs> They're Glacot looking. But what does Glacot look like? Like like. Like scanning the room. See that? See, see your da. <laughs> see your, see your da. I glake it. That's a, that that's a great a, word. That's a good one. And it's and it's sometimes <laughs> I like it because it can be used as like a term of endearment. Yes. It can be used as a. Oh, he looks a bit glake it. You can be trying to describe somebody like we. John comes in in the morning. John, John with the glasses. John, John, with John the, the ginger hair. The big guy. John, glasses, ginger hair. The glake it looking guy. Oh, big glake it, John. <laughs> Ah, got a bad day if you get called Glacot John in it. I know, I know. <laughs> I like it. Glacot, Gl- 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 I think, aye. Because it just sounds good. It's almost like on a it's just Yes. Like, it's, you look and you feel and you, so I Glacot. And now having to think about who you know that looks Glacot. I could start rhyming them off, but they might be listening. <laughs> and on that note, I will thank you very much for doing this, Ryan. Thank you. I wish you all the best. Same yourself. Thank you for well, your kindness today. No, well done in the podcast. It's oh, great. Cheers, I've been thanks. listening in. It's been good. Thanks. It's been really good. And uh, I'll do the round of applause for the end. Standard ovation for Ryan, making feel really, really uh, awkward. And Andrew managed to get through the full interview with the bee in the, There's a bee in the room. There is a bee in the room who I've like. I don't know why I'm, look, I'm looking at my laptop as if people are there. <laughs>
Did you see that? I did that. I was like, guys, I've been trying to save a bee this morning. I think you've saved it. It's been flying about. And it's I trapped him in the window, hoping that he would eventually decide to go. Take, to take the hint. He has quietened, and I thought it was going to be like that episode of Breaking Bad with the fly. <laughs> it's just, there's nothing really much happens other than just this buzzing of a bee in the background. He's not really annoyed as much as it's been. Crazy. He's either left or he's really tuned into us, just talk nonsense. <laughs> He's loving it. Or he's sitting there going like, am I like it? Am I like <laughs> it? Am I like it? Am I like it? <laughs> we'll uh, switch us off and go and find out if they need. Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.